This time on Not Just Tentacles, it's Ruby Tuesday. Rachel, well, it's Wednesday. Ah, oh, bollocks. Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome to another episode of Not Just Tentacles, where I, Rachel, attempt to demystify anime. Tomorrow is going to be the 1st of September. September! Where the hell has the year gone? So I thought it was quite fitting that today I was going to talk about Ruby because I started watching Ruby on the... Mm, sometime in April, let's say. Then I caught COVID, so I put it on ice for a while and then obviously picked it back up and I didn't complete it until sometime last week. So I've been watching it for months and have not regretted a moment because Ruby is quite an unusual show for me because it's not really a genre that I normally go for because I have a problem in that I love dragons, but I'm not that into high fantasy. So, I mean, you're not going to get a dragon in a cop show, although dragon detectives hmm but either way but I had lots of people whose opinions I respect telling me oh you must watch Ruby it's epic etc and even though I was like "Mm, I don't know um, I decided to bite the bullet and the first couple of episodes I wasn't that impressed and now looking back I think how could I have said this how could I have thought this but at the time, I did think, this has all been done before. It's like a mashup of My Hero Academia with Harry Potter. And I thought I could see exactly where it was going to go. And boy, was I wrong. It subverted every single expectation I could have had and turned out to be all the better for it. So, to sum up... Ruby is the story of Ruby Rose, who is a precocious lass who's about 15 when the story starts. And she's always wanted to be a huntress because she lives in the cyberpunk fairy tale land of Remnant, where creatures called Grimm, which are effectively eldritch abominations that have been spewed out from wherever, they ravage the land. And it's her job and other hunters and huntresses' jobs to track down these things and kill them. It's basically paid hero work. And people train at um, elite academies. Like the one that she wants to get into is Beacon Academy. And she so impresses um, Glinda Goodwitch one time. Um, Yeah, Yeah, this is something you're going to get used to. Everything is a reference to something else. Because there is a definite Wizard of Oz theme going on here. Because... Unlike most anime, this is American. In fact, it is worth asking, is this actually an anime? I would say yes. It it might not be made in Japan, but it definitely has a very anime feel. It uses a lot of the tropes and it certainly feels far more like an anime than your standard Western cartoon. But yeah, everybody is referring to some other kind of fairy tale. There's a definite Wizard of Oz theme going on here. Like Ruby herself is clearly modelled on Red Riding Hood, only she kicks ass with a scythe. Anyway, Glinda catches her in action because she is the 
deputy headmistress. I'm not quite sure. Well, she could just be one of the instructors at the famed Beacon Academy and agrees to bump Ruby up a couple of years, which means that she's going to be studying alongside her boisterous bruiser sister, Yang, who is hot and bi and blonde and drives a motorbike. And yeah, the bias comes in later. And when you're serving as a hunter stroke huntress at Beacon Academy, you end up having to work alongside the same other three people for your entire time there. And it's picked by, oh God, it's ages since I watched it. You've all got to land in the same place and see each other, something like that. So she finds Yang, which is great. She's her big sis anyway, so they get on. And then the other two people that become part of their team are Wai Shni, who is patterned along the lines of Snow White. She's this kind of defrosting heiress type. When you first meet her, you think that she's going to be trouble and a rich bitch. But one of the best things about this show is character development. I would say that she has probably the most um, character development of anybody in this show. You go from not liking her at all to thinking that she's a sweetheart and loving her. And then there's also another character, um, Blake Belladonna. And I don't think it's that big a spoiler to say that um, Blake um, incorporates both um, Beauty and the Beast in her design because in Remnant, there's a species of people called Faunus who are basically um, animal people. And she looks like a cute cat girl. So she is both Beauty and the Beast. And she also has um, previous history um, working for a terrorist organisation called the White Fang, which was quite controversial because people were going, hmm, she's a 17-year-old and she's worked with terrorists and has an evil ex-boyfriend, but I have no problem with any of that. Just heap on all the drama and the moral ambiguity. I'm fine with that whatsoever. And... In my favourite development in the whole series, she and Yang become a couple and kill the aforementioned dickhead X together in one of the best fight scenes in the series. I'm just going to have to stick spoilers all over this, but hopefully if this makes you watch it, then you'll get so engrossed in the story that you would have gotten all my anvil-sized spoilers anyway, so that's fine. So these guys become Team Ruby, and that is why it's spelt the way that it is in the title. So it's not Welsh, it's R for Ruby, W for Weiss, B for Blake, and Y for Yang. And all the other teams are named along these lines. They always take the names of the people in them. Like the other major team in the series is, um, I think you pronounce it Juniper, because you have um, Jean, so Jean Arc, who's their leader. You have Nora, who is the feisty, lightning-powered one, who I adore. She's a badass. There's Pira, who I really loved and um, is set up to be a major character. But, yeah, that doesn't quite work out. And finally, there's Ren who is Nora's best friend stroke boyfriend. I mean, everybody assumes that they're boyfriend and girlfriend, but they're not until far, far later in the series. 
And this is the odd thing because, as previously mentioned, everybody on Team Ruby is inspired by fairy tales, like with her um, long blonde locks and tendency to beat up bears, Yang is meant to be Goldilocks, while for some odd reason that I have not quite understood, everybody in Team Juniper is based on, well, named for a famous cross-dresser. Like, Jean is Joan of Arc, apparently. Um, Nora is Thor, because at one point Thor, yes, big, burly, manly Thor, had to wear a wedding dress and pass himself off as a woman. Don't ask, mythology is weird. Um, Pyrrha is named for Achilles, because he um, had to pretend to be a girl for the first ten or so years of his life. And finally, Ren is named for Mulan. And yeah, they've gender flipped it as well. So the ones that are named for female characters are actually male in the story, while the ones who are named for male characters are female. So this is the thing that I love about Ruby, because all of these characters, they're completely different. Like, say, for instance, Jean cheats his way into Beacon. You originally think, oh, what a what a failure, he's going to be found out, he's going to get chucked out. Like, the very first time we see him, he's throwing up. So he gets nicknamed Vomit Boy. And you do think he's going to be a loser, but he becomes an invaluable part of the team. And this is one of the themes I love. It is about found family. Everybody that you meet in Ruby, or at least everybody that the main characters meet, they adopt them and love them. So whether they're kind of badass old ladies that they somehow acquire or farm boys who get possessed by the reincarnated spirit of their headmaster. They they all become part of the team. Oh, and um, adorable robots who want to be real girls as well. Penny, my other favourite supporting character. And this all adds to the ineffable queerness of the show. And... Um, and there's also, well, to my mind anyway, and it's been backed up, although you still get some people in denial about it. Um, Ruby and Yang's uncle, Crow, who is this slovenly, drunken so-and-so, um, whose semblance is bad luck. Oh, yeah, by the way, everybody in the series has something called a semblance, which is a special power. So it's very similar to Quirks in My Hero Academia. Um, his semblance is misfortune, so he is very wary of getting too close to people in case he curses them with his bad luck. Um, he meets a young man, a significantly younger man at that, t- <laughs> naughty, um, called Clover, who, as his name suggests, his semblance is good fortune. And you can see these two becoming friendly and possibly more because it is played like a, a romance and if it was a male and female character, you would think they would hook up. But unfortunately, um, Clover dies. And um, from then on, he's in mourning and um, wants to avenge Clover's death. And again, this is not something I would have anticipated because when he's first introduced, you see him flirting with women and he's set up as being a bit of a ladies man. But it seems that the bias in the family comes from him. And it, because Ruby, it's not because 
when I started watching it, I didn't think that there were any standout iconic characters. And to this day, I still don't. Um, I mean, there isn't anybody that you would say was like All Might or Ryuk or anybody that if you said Ruby, that you would instantly picture. Like Ruby herself, for instance, she's a nice lass. I like her. But she is a bit generic because if you're going to think of them as being like the teenage mutant hero turtles, she is definitely the Leonardo of the group, the protagonist who is surrounded by more colourful, interesting characters. But it is great for character development because you do see how these characters progress over time. Like, um, for instance, um, General Ironwood, when you first meet him, you just think, um, oh, he's a strict but fair authority figure. But as the seasons go on, you can see him losing his grip until in the later seasons, he has just turned into a full-on tyrant, a dictator, and poses just as big a, a danger to the team than the villains they're battling. Now we're on to the villains. The villains in this show are sublime. In fact, I'd have to say it's probably my favourite collection of bad guys in any show and what really lifts this series for me. Because when I first started watching, one of the reasons why I wasn't too impressed was the bad guy for the first few seasons was Roman Torchwick, who just looks like a rip-off of Alex from A Clockwork Orange. And he's just this shady crime boss guy. And I, I just wasn't that enamoured of him. I just thought... This show could be good if it had a better villain. And the story gods listened to my prayers because in one of the funniest moments of the series, he's just bragging away to Ruby, going on about how great he is. And he's like going on about how he's good at this, that. And the last thing he says is surviving. And then this massive grim just looms up and eats him a la Lord Farquaad. And it is brilliant. And soon after that, we are introduced to the bad guy of Ruby and she does not disappoint because going with the Wizard of Oz theme, she is based on the Wicked Witch of the West, Salem. And I think if I were to describe her, it would be Rapunzel meets Cthulhu meets Joan Ferguson from Wentworth. Because she is an extraordinary character. Because one of the things I love about this show is the characters it borrows from fairy tales, particularly the ones that are villains, it looks at what would that person be like if somebody had had those experiences was around in the world right now. So the backstory of Ruby is about Salem and is one of the best villain origin stories I've ever heard. So she was kept in a tower, so Rapunzel, and she got rescued by a warrior. They fell in love, always hunky-dory. You think, oh, this is how fairy tales go. But he died and she went mad with grief and thought she could defy the gods themselves by bringing him back. But by doing that, she tapped into dark magic and just unleashed all sorts of horror, including the Grimm, onto the world. And um, 
her husband, he eventually left her and he keeps being reincarnated. So he is, when we first meet him in the story, he's Ospin, the headmaster of Beacon Academy. But then he gets reincarnated um, in Oscar, who is this hapless um, 14-year-old farm boy that joins forces with them. So uh, this is why I love it, because not only is she brilliantly played by the voice actress and she has these wonderful tentacles and stony eyes and is as intimidating as fuck because she just kills people left, right and centre and... it's just I just love the fact that it's a female villain and she is just as cold and as brutal and as chilling as a male villain and it just feels really special to me that you have a show where all the female all the main characters even are female and so is the villain and it's not just her she is magnificent and probably the best anime villain I can think of but there's um also Cinder, who I I guess I could say I love to hate Cinder because she is just such a bitch. And as you might have gathered from her name, although it took me a stupidly long time to get it, Cinder is a Cinderella if she went bad. And she is just power hungry and has delved into dark magic to get what she wants. And she is basically a monster and not particularly bright either. Um, another villain who is marvellous um, is Dr. Watts, who, looking at him, and especially his field of work, which is robotics, I would say is meant to be evil Tesla, which is odd, but it works. So if you want anything underhand doing with electronics robotics etc in this universe then you get Arthur Watts on board and there's Tyrion who is a scorpion faunus and um, a homicidal maniac who loves his job loves Salem yet he is 100% about the job satisfaction and um, there's Hazel who um, is this big burly drug addict I think so um because he's always spiking himself up with dust which is the source of power in the in the series and he hates Ospin because his actions led to um his sister's death and, and again they've put so much thought into these characters they're not just generic mooks who can get bumped off and that nobody cares they've clearly thought we need to give these people a backstory and make them interesting and make them count and I like the fact that they're all well most of them because there's um emeralds and mercury I'm not too sure how old they are but they can pass themselves off as teenagers but then so could cinder so who knows they've I don't know, either late teens or youthful looking. Uh, And they're able to get into Beacon and cause all sorts of havoc when they're there. And this was what flabbergasted me. Because I thought, this is just going to follow the same routine of um, people being taught classes. And there might be um, shit going down in, say, series 
six or seven like you get in Harry Potter and things of that ilk. Here it happened in three. So yeah, the rug was completely pulled out from under my feet. I did not know what to expect. And although I was upset that my favourite character had been killed off, I just had to watch more and I knew by then I was hooked. And I would have to say that from that unpromising start ruby has gone on to be one of my favorite anime it's definitely in my top 10 and i would actually say it's one of my favorite shows full stop because the voice acting is terrific the animation and the music spectacular it has a new theme song every season in keeping with the anime tradition i if I had to pick a favourite, it would be five because that just, to my mind, encapsulates everything that Ruby's about and wonderful song, astounding animation. And I, I just wasn't expecting it. And this is what's made me love it more than if I'd thought from the very beginning, oh, this looks like it's going to be my jam because it honestly wasn't. There were so many things. that I, I'm not even that keen on The Wizard of Oz and I know that's a, a bit of a heretical opinion to have, but I, other than Wicked, I've never cared for it. I'm not that big on any of those um kids' fantasy books. I mean, Narnia was spoilt by C.S. Lewis deciding to bang the Christianity drum. Um, his Dark Materials was ruined by Philip Pullman banging the atheist drum. And Wonderland and Netherland were tainted by both of their authors being pedos. Ooh. So the fact that I was so wowed by a show that you would think would not be to my liking at all demonstrates how high quality it is. And this is why it's frustrating because I don't really have much to do with the Ruby fandom other than the ones that I interact with um doing not just tentacles because there seems to be a significant minority that hate the way that the story's gone in recent years because the creator Montium he tragically died during the production of I think it was season three he had a severe allergic reaction and died and um his best friends who he helped who helped um with the series they've carried it on and um he used to voice Ren but his brothers carried on doing that but all the changes that have happened since then and you can't help but notice the inclusion of gay and trans characters you get people going Monty would never have done that Ooh, that's not his vision of Ruby Ooh. even though Yang and Blake uh, clearly interested in one another and showing chemistry from the very earliest days and because there's one point where they're dancing together and um, Yang uh, and even before that Yang flirts with her and winks at her and it's like okay I've got your number girls I mean okay it does it doesn't really say out loud these two are a couple and we haven't seen them kiss 
But in every other respect, the way that they're with one another, um, the way that they cling to each other and get very close, it is pretty much identical other than the kiss to Ren and Nora, who are an official couple. So there you go, haters. They're there and there's nothing you can do about it. So I I have to say that Ruby was one of my biggest surprises and in a good way for anime. And um, it helped me get through COVID because the come down from that wasn't great. I wasn't in a particularly nice place. And it has just given me a boost and given me something to smile about. I just came home and thought, yes, I'm going to watch an episode or two of Ruby and um, found myself getting absorbed in the story and loving the the humour because it is really funny that that's another way in which this stands out you you do find yourself chuckling and it's got everything you've got fights you've got romance you you've got um jaw-dropping graphics and and those if you put a scene from the first season next to a scene from the eighth season the the difference is just gobsmacking because it's um computer animated because um monty was a computer game designer originally i think so the characters are obviously recognisably themselves, but it is just all the difference. It is like looking at, um, say, an, an early noughties computer game um, versus one now. Um, I think that's it. I'm acutely aware of the fact that I've been babbling on, but Ruby, <laughs> it is the best so watch it and um so until next time where i don't know we could be talking spy family we could be doing another hell of a boss recap it's entirely up to ruth i guess because um she wasn't available for this one she's off doing her thing but until next time love you guys Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. And you can also follow us on social media. We are at TentaclesNot on Twitter. And on Facebook, our page is called Not Just Tentacles. Speak to you soon. Bye.